0: want to be clear that I did not pay Ryan to give that opinion. Welcome to the Mainline Podcast. We're back. We're another week closer to the start of the season. I'm your host, Adam Jacquez. Corbin is uh, under the weather, so we wish him uh, you know, feeling better as, uh, as he wraps up his week. So it's just Tyler uh, this evening. Tyler, how are we doing?
1: I'm doing good, man. We're uh, 10 days until kickoff. Week zero gets underway, and we're just a little over 17 days away from OU lane. So uh, kind of like what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, it's definitely football season. You can feel it in the air. Um, there's no no more exciting time to, to to be a football fan, especially of our team here
0: in Norman. Yeah. it's a little cooler outside this evening because we got some rain, so it definitely feels a little bit more like football season. But uh, we've also got with us today a special guest, uh, which is Ryan Lewis of the Football Brainiacs. Uh, you might see him on Twitter at uh, Ryan Lewis underscore tfb. Uh, I've known Ryan for probably three, four years now. He was one of my very first season ticket holders when I worked uh, at the uh, ticket office. So uh, Ryan, thanks so much for taking some time for us this evening.
2: Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on. Excited to talk some football. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Now you've been with the Football Brainiacs for probably about that same amount of time. You've been writing for them for a little bit, right?
2: Um. Yeah, since maybe early 2017. I think right after the, let's see the sugar bowl was the 2016 season. Yeah. I think right after the sugar bowl. So the early 2017. Okay.
0: Awesome. Awesome. One of my, uh, one of my favorite posts that you do on there is just the collection of all the different news that comes out each week or each day, I guess, um, is how often it comes out and, uh, the busier and busier and older I get the less and less time I have to spend on Twitter and other outlets, just, uh, checking all the news out. And so, um, I love that because it just gives me a good collection of everything that's been going on. And I think one of the, the biggest things that I've noticed this year, just from Twitter, from national media outlets and things like that, is that um, everybody seems really high on OU this year. And as OU fans, we're always high on OU, uh, but now it seems like everybody else is too. And I was curious what your perspective on that is. Is it have to do more with what we have coming back as a team with, you know, a defense that's rising or maybe uh, Spencer Radler's second year uh, of development? Or do you think it's more has more to do with maybe regular foes that we see in the playoffs like your Alabamas, your Clemsons, your Ohio States, replacing not only quarterbacks but a lot of key pieces across the board?
2: Sure. I think it's an interesting question because I think there's a little bit of both at play. You look across the uh, top teams in the country, you think about who's always in the playoffs, right, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson. And all three are replacing some really major pieces. Um, Clemson, obviously Trevor Lawrence, um, and um, uh, running back Travis. Etn. Etn. Yeah. Thank you. I couldn't think it was his last name. Um, replacing them, and then Ohio State, Justin Fields and Trey Sermon, a couple of their key pieces. Alabama's offense was just decimated. You had Mac Jones, uh, two receivers, and Smith and Waddle, um, several offensive lines, and not uh, Najee Harris. I mean, there are just so many people. Um, now, we obviously take that with a grain of salt because all three of those teams, Alabama specifically, don't really you know, rebuild as much as they reload. But it's definitely a lot to, to be replacing. But I do think that the speed D is a huge part of that. Um, I, do, I don't I do think that can be ignored. I think this has the potential to be the best defense at OU since, I don't know, maybe 08, um, somewhere in that vicinity. I mean, honestly, I, I really do think it has the potential to be that good. Um, I think the, the front seven in particular is going to be one of the best in college football, and I'm not sure the last time you could say that at OU.
1: Yeah, that's one of the things I was talking to Adam about and, and Corbin as well last week is, you know, just looking at OU's front seven, particularly the depth on the defensive line, just looking at the regular season, I'm not sure if there's any team in the Big 12 that's going to be able to block uh, Calvin Thibodeau's group for for four consecutive quarters. So, uh, But as far as the work that you do for TFB, Ryan, you know, Austin Stogner was on the, the daily countdown today and seemed You know, last season he was headed towards like a Mark Andrews, you know, type level of impact uh, on that football team. Before, obviously, his injury against Kansas. So, um, as far as Stogner goes, how critical is it for him to get back to one hundred percent in order, you know, for this team to reach the goals they want to achieve this year?
2: Sure, I think it's big. I I think you are right. I mean, he definitely has that that Mark Andrews feel to him. Um, He he was really a security blanket last year. Injuries aside, um, for Spencer Rattler and really was a big part of the offense, the receiver spot, you know, coach Riley, a couple of other coaches have mentioned was not the highlight of last year. Um, and and really there was some work to be done in the off season, but he he was certainly one of the ones that was dependable was always around. Um, and I I think that if he can be at full health and it seems like he is, I think he can be in for an all big 12 kind of season.
0: You know, that's interesting, Ryan, because I was about to follow up with that exact question, uh, just, you know, a lot of people are really high on Charlie Kolar right now up at Iowa State. And Austin Stogner is pretty much forgotten by most people at this point, or at least, you know, tossed aside simply because he missed four or five games there at the end of the year and really hurt his stat line. um, And people forgot about him. Um, But I honestly think that, you know, Stogner has more, uh, at least a higher ceiling than what Kolar is. And um, it may be harder for him to shine in the OU offense with so many other weapons and talent around him but um it sounds like you're you're right on board as far as hey he could be just as good if not better than kolar
2: i think he can be i do think i mean (laughs) no one needs reminding better than oh you fans need no reminding of how good kolar is uh, after the ptsd of last year uh but but he even don't wrong great player he's awesome he'll deserve every accolade he gets this year but I do sincerely think that Stockner can be um, on a pretty high level.
1: Yeah. Well, hopefully, once OU lines up uh, against Kolar this year, you know, having some bigger frame guys like, you know, Jeremiah Cradell, Billy Bowman in the nickelback position. Hopefully, that's right. We don't see, uh, you know, jumping on his back and, you know, 15 yard penalties, you know, three out of four, you know, three to four plays a game. So, um, Ryan, I, I guess one qu- question that I kind of have for you is, you know, team leadership. It seems like is a critical component for a championship run. So, when you look at the makeup of this twenty twenty one squad, what guy or guys kind of stand out to you as being the leaders on this football team?
2: You know, it's interesting. I think there's a couple guys that are definitely leaders, but then I think there's also a couple guys that are going to be some of the highlight players and your you know MVP level players. And sometimes those collide. Sometimes they don't. I think as far as leaders on the defense, you got guys like Caleb Kelly and Pat Fields that have you know been around the program for a long time at this point. They've started quite a few games between them. Caleb Kelly not projected to start, although he certainly could at some point. I wouldn't necessarily rule it out. Um, but I think both of those have the potential to be big leaders, and I think Isaiah Thomas could really be a big leader on the defense as well. Yeah. And then offensively, I'm, I'm really curious. Um, you have some offensive line guys that have been there for some time now. And then you have um, your receiver group is really not quite as much veterans as, as some years. So there's just a kind of an interesting mix of, there's a ton of talent and a ton of great players. Don't get me wrong, but it, it is an interesting question because you look at the offense in particular, I'd be curious to see, you know, who, who's the leader on that team.
0: Yeah. I think there's definitely some really good signs. And, um, you know, just along that defensive line, Perry on Winfrey, just seeing him be so active on Twitter, Um, So, yeah, it's kind of giving the Jalen Hurts tagline of, you know, no rat poison. It seems like a lot of his tweets really focus around that. So I know he's focused and I think that's really exciting to see. Um, But like you mentioned, there are some position groups that definitely have some questions like who's going to be the leader, wide receivers, um, you know, offensive line uh, are are two position groups that we talk about a lot um, or have talked a lot about throughout the offseason as far as, okay, what do we really have here? What's is this a weakness of the team? And I think there's a lot of question marks there. But at the same time, you've also got position groups that, you know, we're all looking at as far as, you know, big strengths like linebacker, defensive line, cornerback, quarterbacks. Do you think we're taking any of those position groups for granted? Uh, and should we be more concerned with any of them, potentially?
2: You know, it's funny. Those last three you mentioned are, are definitely the first three. I would say that there should be just 0% worry. I mean, the the quarterback room, I mean, honestly, is, is probably the best one in the country. Uh, I, I mean, how many programs would Caleb Williams start at this year as a true freshman? I don't know what the number is, but I, I bet it's a lot. And then probably. you've got the deep. I'm sorry.
1: No, I was going to say probably all, but about six or eight.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, seriously, there, there can't be very many. So I think it'll be interesting to see, I mean, that, that's going to be one of the best groups in the country. The defensive line, like I said, I think that front seven defensive line linebackers has potential to be the best one at OU since, I don't know, 2008, somewhere in that time frame. So I do think both of those groups, just 0% to worry about. And then the other groups, I don't know if there's something to worry about per se, just as much as kind of, you know, wait to see. If some questions can be answered, I think the offensive line will be really interesting to see who starts. You know, about two months ago, I would have felt really confident in giving you a starting lineup. And, you know, we keep hearing different things out of practice. And you're kind of starting to wonder what Coach Biedenbaugh is going to run out there. And there's a lot of, I think, potential options he could run out there. But it'll be interesting to see who actually gets the start.
1: Well, if there's one thing that we know when it comes to Bill Beanebo's group, the offensive line that you're going to see against Tulane is probably not going to be the same starting five that lines up, you know, when Texas rolls around in October. So, um, sure. kind of, you know, touching Ryan b- back on the point that you made a second ago when talking about the leadership on this team. You know, obviously on defense, we've heard, you know, it's the it's the same figures. It's the Isaiah Thomas's, the Nick Benitos. Those are two guys that have played a ton of football here in Norman, but. Going back to what uh, Calvin Thibodeau said, you know, you've got those veteran leaders like Pat Fields, Caleb Kelly, Nick Benito, but then you've also got a guy like Perry on Winfrey who he called a mood changer, who kind of sets the tone on that Mm. side of the football for the entire team. I think that's going to be a player that he's poised to have a big year. And then also on the, or go ahead.
2: I think he is, and you know, it's interesting because last year you always felt like Winfrey was just one, one step away. I mean, he had a good year and he showed a lot of potential, but I feel like he had a couple of, not busted plays, just plays he didn't quite finish all the way. And you really felt like if he could put those together, he'd be at the next level. And it, it, by all accounts, he sounds like he's, he's getting there.
1: And I, I kind of feel like he knows how talented he is and he knows mm-hmm. if he can put it together this season, what his ceiling is and how high of a draft pick he could be in the NFL. Um, and then kind of the same thing on the, on the offensive side of the football. I mean, Creed Humphrey losing him to the Kansas City Chiefs, which kind of sounds like he's going to be the starter uh, for, for them. You know, huge shout out to, to that guy. But, you know, mm-hmm. losing him, having a true freshman, Andrew Rame, um, by losing Creed, a guy that's been a huge vocal leader, you know, in his last three years, I think that this is finally going to be the year where you kind of get back to kind of the Baker Mayfield type teams where, you know, this is a quarterback-driven squad. This will be Spencer's team going into 2021. So it's going to be a lot of fun to, to see how that group uh, is on offense, how they progress and how they play. Because, you know, Ryan, I've, we've, Adam and I have talked about this time and time again. I can't remember a season ever – or ever going into a season where I have more questions about the offense than I do about the, the OU defense, which is, <laughs> kind, which is kind of scary to say.
2: No, you're, you're absolutely right. It's uh, – and not bad questions on the offense per se, but, but questions, right? Questions about, you know, who's going to start, who will get the most snaps. Um, whereas on the defense, you're absolutely right. There's, there's definitely fewer questions.
0: Yeah. Ryan, uh, and Tyler just mentioned a minute ago in regards to the Tulane game, we're under three weeks away from that. And, uh, I think there's definitely some, I guess some perception of Tulane as being just a pushover should be a really easy win should be, you know, 63 to nothing. Um, so your team's just going to come out and blast them. Um, in my opinion, just from, you know, checking them out over the last couple of years, they've improved quite a bit since they came to Norman in the 2017 season. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Willie Fritz has done a really great job implementing, you know, his kind of more uh, spread triple option attack. And he's really utilizing, I think, the recruiting grounds that are very fertile down there in Louisiana. So what do you think that, you know, we can really take away from this matchup and what are your expectations, you know, as far as what could be a success versus what could be a, you know, punch the, the panic button, so to speak.
2: Well, no, no one getting hurt would be, would be priority number one. But Absolutely. you're right. This is not a um, FCS level opener. This, I mean, I'm not saying this is a Alabama, but, but this is a a real decent opponent. They return quite a bit on offense. Defensively, lost I think their two, their two best um, edge rushers. But but this isn't a bad team, and it'll be interesting to see because they're they're not quite an army level of run the football, but, but they're certainly a little bit more geared towards that than a lot of the teams that OU tends to play. So it'll be a little, a little bit different of a look. As far as what might a success be, um, I think they're getting a, a few different... I, I've mentioned it a couple times. I really want to see them run out a few different lineups on the offensive line. See who pairs well together. See who can stand out at which position. I really would lo- love to see that and see if we can get some kind of rhythm started up front. At receiver, I'm really interested to see who gets the most targets. And, and obviously, you, know, you guys mentioned... <laughs> the team will progress throughout the season. So whoever gets the most targets on day one will be the same at you know the 12th game. But I think that'll be interesting to see um, at running back. Does Kennedy Brooks have any rust? Um, is he shaking off some of that? Is he, is he back to the 2018 form, 2019 form? Because if he is, that was a good form. And then uh, just did us the defensive, um, is the defensive back group give up any big plays? You know, this is not going to be the best pass game they face all season. So, any big plays I don't know that would be cause for alarm but certainly not something to look look forward to
1: yeah one thing about Tulane their best player on that football team is is one of their guys at the wide receiver position so that's going to be kind of you know they're not going to have the same skill talent as what OU is going to see as they get further and further into the season but obviously seeing the the defensive rotation trotting out two to three groups on the defensive line you know seeing four and five guys play at linebacker and then also you know we kind of heard from Roy Manning today he feels really comfortable about Five to six guys, just at the corner position alone. Much less what what we've got on the back end of that defense as well. So, seeing a lot of the young guys, I feel like in a matchup like this, this is a good opportunity for them to kind of get some game reps. And like you said, Ryan, injury free is the you know win the football game number one. Number two, come out injury free, and you know number three, um, hopefully Spencer Rattler is uh, is wearing the visor by middle midway through the third quarter. We can see some Caleb Williams, but. Uh, no, there, there's definitely a lot of positives you can take from it, and there's a lot of things that OU needs to get done in this game uh, to kind of you know start to build that momentum in what we hope is going to be a fantastic season.
2: Uh, I, one interesting comment, or, or uh, get back to your question, one interesting comment, I, I'm dumb, so I'm sure everyone else has thought of this before, but I just now thought of it today. Uh, I'm really curious to see how much Caleb Williams plays this year. Now, I'm not saying he's going to play a lot. Bradley's a starter, and he should be, and that's obvious. But if you're Coach Riley and you think – Caleb Williams will only be in Norman for three years. Do you really care about redshirting him? And what I mean by that is, do you try to get him experience in more than just the four games? I don't know. Just something to think about. I'm I'm sure someone else has thought of this before me. I just now considered it today. But I I am kind of curious to see if he tries to do that this year. He hasn't ever really done that. You know, when when Kyler Murray, for example, was backing up Baker in 2017. I'm kind of curious to see if he tries that this
0: year. Yeah, I know when Radler was a freshman, I don't think he was necessarily intentionally redshirted. But it just kind of worked out that way. We didn't have enough games that were huge blowouts where really he had an opportunity to play. But I, I think that's something that we might be able to see more of this year with a solid defense holding teams down uh, and enough playmakers to really run up the score. And I also think back to you know 2017 when we had Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. It almost feels like looking back at that retroactively now, as good as Baker was, you know, as, as amazing as he was in a Heisman year, we probably should have seen a little bit more Kyler Murray at times. Um, not that the offense was, you know, holding the team back or anything, but it's like, man, we, we should have used him while we had him a little bit more at least.
2: That's right. The idea that in that, you know, playoff game against Georgia, you could have run out of lineup with Baker and Kyler on the field at the same time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd give a finger to see that
1: happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And and, and kind of you know on uh, on that same topic as far as you know C- Caleb Williams as he registered this year I think that Lincoln you know if he could script it up script it up in a perfect world it kind of seems like we're on the trajectory of Lincoln's going to get his guy every other year you know Rattler was 2019 Caleb Williams 21 obviously we've got Malachi coming in in 2023 so I think in a perfect world Lincoln would like to be able to have uh, you know an incoming freshman sit behind the starter for a year play the next season. And then ultimately, you know, maybe hopefully you're only on campus for two to three years. That way the next guy can come in and kind of, you know, take the baton and run with it. But you know, as far as OU quarterback goes um, I'm not going to question what Lincoln Riley's and I
0: also think too, like Lincoln may look back at the way Radler played in 2020 and think, Hey, maybe I should get Caleb Williams some more time before he has to step in full time. Mm -hmm. Um, So it may be a little bit review and, difference in strategy on those guys
1: Uh, uh, ryan a couple last things before we get you out of here um we can't can't have you on the podcast without talking some sec uh, our our new conference new members so um i guess first to start off just you know kind of what were your impressions on on ou you know making the transition joining the sec um is it a good move are you excited about it any you know any hesitation or just kind of what are your overall thoughts on it
2: Sure. I I think OU made the right move for OU. If we're going to be completely honest, I kind of don't like it for college football. And I know that's not a popular opinion among OU fans and whatever, but I do think that it does not, it it loses some of the mystique of college football if you just have one or two major conferences to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not not saying, again, I think OU made the right decision. I just think that you are going to potentially lose some things down the road as far as you know, some of the regional rivalries and looking to see who can beat bigger teams and things like that. When if, you know, if we're getting to a place of just two main divisions or, or conferences, excuse me, or something like that. With that said, they they made the right decision. This will be a, a good thing for them down the road. And it really is interesting to see. I guess A a lot of it will be money, but B I'm, I'm really curious how much of behind the scenes was driven by OU feeling that they did not dictate the Big Twelve. And I don't think OU will dictate things in the SEC, but I wonder I do I can't help but wonder if OU had been a little bit more in control in the Big Twelve, if that would have still happened. Maybe it would have, I don't know. But it, it seems like if you're OU and you're thinking we can make more money and still not be in control of the conference, why would we not do that? Seems like a pretty easy
0: decision. I want to be clear that I did not pay Ryan to give that opinion about this being, uh, <laughs> you know, good f- decision for OU, but bad overall for college football. Um, you know, if if any of our listeners have been listening for even more than two or three weeks, I've been saying the exact same thing. I feel like the unpopular kid saying something very unpopular, saying that. But uh, yep. I'm in the same boat, Ryan. So, um, yeah, I did not pay you to say that. <laughs>
1: And it it definitely feels like OU Texas going to the SEC. This is kind of the first domino falling towards kind of the end of what we've you know known college football to be over the last you know however many number of decades. And it definitely feels like we're on the path towards a you know super conferences you know to, to happen at a future date. But, um, Ryan, one last thing here. Obviously, now twenty twenty five is you know what's being said right now. Obviously, we think it's going to happen a lot sooner than that. Which team are you most looking forward to see to seeing in Norman once we join the SEC? Is it are you going to go chalk is it A&M? Is it Alabama or is there maybe kind of some some other team out there that you're excited to uh, to see take Owen field here in a few years?
2: I think it has to be Bama and, and not just because it's Bama, but I think that that's a program despite the fact that there was a, a pretty good shellacking in 2018. I think that's a program that OU and Alabama will have a decent amount of mutual respect for each other. I mean, these are two two top five programs of all time, no matter how you slice it, they're going to routinely be in the top five for the foreseeable future. I think that one has to be the one you're looking forward to most. I have just, just nothing nice to say as a general rule about A&M. So I I can't pick them. (laughs) Um, I just, I just can't.
1: You fit
0: in well here. (laughs) Yeah.
2: But there's, there's a lot of good teams, right? I mean, I George will be fun to see there will be a lot of good uh, teams that are really pretty fun to see in Norman. I mean, even, you know, some of the teams that you wouldn't think of, right, the Vanderbilt's, the Kentucky's, the Missouri's, the South Carolina's, it'll just be new and exciting. So I think there's a lot to be said for, for just the fun of it.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, you know, picking Alabama right from the start is kind of like, you know, you go to prison and you find the biggest, meanest guy up there and you just go beat him up. And that shows everybody else who's boss. So (laughs) I would love to love to match up with Bama and beat him right off the bat and just, uh, show him who's the, who's the new king in town.
1: Well, and I also think that this is kind of an interesting time for OU to make this transition. Obviously, if it doesn't happen until twenty twenty five, Nick Saban's not going to be there forever. So, if OU can make the transition into the SEC, use those first couple of years to you know kind of get acclimated to the you know the the weekend weekend or weekend week out grind. You know, maybe once Nick Saban does you know decide to step down, that might be an opportunity for OU to kind of take the mantle in that conference and you know kind of you know be the uh, king of college football. So it's going to be fun to watch.
2: Absolutely. I do think that's a good point. It'll be interesting to see you know, how long he's there. And then for all the different assistants he's had leave and try to do the same thing at different other programs, they've never really done it. right? No one's ever really replicated that. So logic would dictate that whoever succeeds him probably won't do the same thing either. Not to say that they won't still be good, but he's one of a kind. So it'll be interesting to see takes the mail after that yeah for sure
0: yeah. ryan thanks so much for taking some time for us this evening uh i know we already gave out your twitter handle at uh, ryan lewis underscore tfb um, and then you're also on the football brainiacs um, definitely make sure to check out his work there did i miss anything else uh as far as where people can find you
2: no you can find me in uh row u at the Tulane lane game yeah. uh, i'll be down there in new orleans i'm naively hoping that that means there's only you know like Six rows, right? T U L A and E. I'm naively hoping that's the case, but I suspect it's not. But no, uh, other than that, just you know, ready for football season.
1: Ryan, I have no idea where I'm sitting yet, but I'll be down there as well. So uh, who knows? We might be sitting next to each other and be good to catch up with you.
2: It's fascinating to see you know, how many OU fans will be down there, right? Because the Cotton Bowl, you know, last one was was like nine, I was there. It was like 90 percent OU fans, and I'm yeah. really curious to see. I, mean, I know it's 11 hours away, but it'll be interesting to see
1: are you flying or driving
2: i'm driving i'm cheap
1: okay that's 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 what we're doing too we're gonna <laughs> leave, we're gonna leave on a friday morning at like 5 a.m and make the trek down there so yep. it'll be a lot of fun
0: yeah absolutely awesome well thanks so much ryan uh i'll be here in the ac uh just watching you guys on tv but again thanks so much for the time <laughs> and uh we'll have you on again here probably uh in a couple months and, and check in and see how things are doing
2: all right guys nothing but the best thanks for yep. having me on Have a good thanks walk.
0: Ryan. Well Tyler, there is some more news going on. It seems to happen on a monthly basis nowadays. Uh, let's check in with the latest decommit uh, from the uh, 2022 class which happens to be Luther Burton that news dropped today and uh, I know I know you're holding back um, but let loose right now let us <laughs> let's know how you feel about this. No, we
1: we thought about bringing this up with Ryan, but, you know, we wanted to have a a positive podcast, uh, having him on, talk a lot of good things, a lot of positive things. But no, um, it's kind of crazy, Adam, you know, going all the way back to, you know, as far, I guess, as, as far back as May, we talked about, you know, of the three wide receivers that were part of the class at the time, Jordan Hudson, Talon Shetron, and Luther Burden. Burden was really the only one that OU fans and I think a lot of OU insiders kind of thought, okay, if there's somebody that's kind of wavering, if there is a possible decommitment, it is Luther Burden. And fast forward to August 17th, and Luther Burden is the last of all three to decommit. So um, it's uh, it, I'm trying to minimize how big of a deal it is. Like I said, OU's loaded at the wide receiver position, the current roster right now. We know what they've got coming in with Relique Brown. Uh, in the 2022 class and then you know 2023 is out of this world right now Uh, they've already got one five-star receiver in the board with Makai Lemon Uh, if everything kind of goes to to what we think is planned Brandon Ennis number one overall player at the wide receiver position group he should be in this class uh, towards the end of this weekend and like I said they're in a really good position with others like DeAndre Moore Jalen Hale so Adam, to kind of throw back to you, I mean, how much do you you put blame on Dennis Simmons? I mean, is this just kind of a one-off year? I mean, it's crazy because it's not like you just lost one guy as part of the class. But over the last, you know, two months or so, you've gone from having three five-star wide receivers in the boat to now you have, I mean – you can count Relic Brown. I feel like he's going to be playing, you know, more in the slot type role. So he is a wide receiver, even though he's listed as an all-purpose back. But just kind of what are your what are your thoughts on it?
0: The curious case of Dennis Simmons. Um, you know, he's one that we basically have not criticized at all since his time of getting to OU. He's done some incredible things. I mean, Dede Westbrook was a Heisman finalist. C.D. Lamb is. Mm-hmm quite possibly the best receiver in OU history. Marquise is Marquise Brown. uh, I mean, (laughs) what an incredible year and a half that he had when he was on campus. Um, And then recruiting, you know, a ton of five stars in 2017, Um, 2021, he got Mario Williams. Marvin Mims has been a big hit. Like he's, he's just done some really incredible things. You would like to have a few more guys and a little bit more depth, but I think it's a certainly a, a very difficult position to, um, you know, keep all those different big personalities happy. And I think you're seeing that just in the recruiting as well. It's it's just so weird that we're losing. I mean, so far, we've lost guys to OSU in a unique family situation. SMU, which I don't know, is a little weird. And it's yet to be seen where Luther Burton goes, although the smoke seems to be around um, Georgia. But it's just frustrating. And I don't know if it's a strategy issue. And it, it seems to be this way with running back and other positions as well that like, We're left, you know, with our hands empty, not realizing that this could have happened when, as OU fans, we've been worried about this for a couple of months now. And here we're looking around going, okay, well, we didn't, you know, get Evan Stewart, you know, when we had the chance, we didn't get Brennan Presley when we had a chance there. And now we're looking around going, where do we turn at this point? Well, I mean, I,
1: I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, say a, one negative thing about Dennis Simmons. I mean, hit, with his track record, he's the he's the best wide receiver coach, you know, at least top two with what Ohio State's got as well. So the proof is in the pudding with what he's been able to do as a recruiter. But I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head when you lose a guy to SMU. I mean, Jordan Hudson. I I kind of feel like SMU did a really good job of emphasizing him being, you know, a hometown guy for the Mustangs and you know someone that can be the focal point of their offense coming in day one. That's probably something that is not going to be the case at OU coming in being a, even though he is a five-star, you're probably not going to be the number one option at receiver at OU once you step foot on campus. And then, you know, Talon Shetron, that is a family matter, um, you know, with his, you know, his brother, you know, going to OSU, totally understand that, completely get that. Luther Burden, he said it was a business decision. Okay, I can kind of understand that. We all know Georgia Pretty dirty when it comes to the recruiting game. Missouri's also a number one uh, an option that there's been a lot of smoke around. He's taken multiple trips up to Missouri and the Tigers, so um, it's just it's just crazy to me with the Luther Bird man. Like, okay, completely take Georgia aside, but just focus on Missouri and like I said, that's where there's a lot of smoke uh, with as well. Missouri hasn't had a wide receiver drafted in the first three rounds since Jeremy Macklin all the way back in 2009. So when you look at what Dennis Simmons has done, C.D. Lamb, Hollywood Brown, D.D. Shep's in the pros right now. The track record, playing football at OU, catching passes from Caleb Williams and Malachi Nelson, and you choose to go to Missouri, a team that's 35 and 37 overall in the last six years, you can just definitely tell that the priority for these recruits coming out of high school, it's no longer about going to the place where I can win football games. I can put myself in the best position to win a conference championship or a national championship. There's a lot of other external factors that are in play that are impacting where these kids go, and like I said on this podcast, we're never going to belittle a recruit or you know talk badly upon them. This is their choice. Wish nothing but the best for them, but you kind of have to. I mean, there's there's kind of a red flag that has to be thrown up in the air when something like this happens.
0: Yeah, I mean potentially Georgia or somebody else is um, utilizing NIL rules to their advantage, um, which is a nice way of saying that, but um i i just think it's so hard for us as fans to separate what we think of OU and think of college football the overall landscape versus what these recruits see uh, because oftentimes these guys don't watch college football they may know a little bit from you know people that are in their family or friends or whatever but they may they're maybe more focused on the NFL and so it's all about who can get drafted they don't necessarily know that missouri you know over the history of their entire program has won maybe 10 games against OU or something like that. They have no, no idea. Um, they just know what other people tell them. Uh, they know what the coaches are telling them. And so it's really who can tell them the best, you know, story might be a lie might be a stretch truth who knows what it might be. That's uh, important to them. And um, you know, it's it's just totally different than what we see as fans as far as just wins and losses and prestige. Um, they're mm-hmm. looking at it as who can get me to the NFL, who can make the best promise, um whatever that might be.
1: Yeah, what what do you think that is, in The best best promise, best uh he- heaviest bag. I, it's I probably know.
0: best if... warm, you know, best food, you know, <laughs> yeah. cafeteria. I'm sure that's what it is. I, I think if there's one lesson that I hope,
1: you know, the the staff and everybody takes from this is that we've been burned. So many times on the fact that we we take all of these commits for specific position groups so early on in the recruiting process, so far away from national signing day, and by doing so, we're essentially turning away all these other possible you know players at this position. Which I know to a certain extent, you want to keep the guys that are committed happy. You want it, you don't kind of want to let them know that you're continuing to recruit other players, but also at the same time, you no longer have these three in the boat. And you know, hit rewind back a few months ago. You turned away Evan Stewart. You stopped recruiting Brennan Thompson. You stopped recruiting Braylon Presley. So it's this is kind of one of those scenarios where if it doesn't truly work out like what you were hoping for in getting those three guys, now you've kind of burned the bridge with the other three to four options that were originally interested in you to begin with. So um, it's definitely going to be interesting to see, and you know, I'm not sure how worried about it they are. I mean, if you don't take a wide receiver uh, in the 2022 class with the transfer portal being such a huge thing in college football, I can you can probably say it's a pretty safe bet that there's a lot of wide receivers out there that would want to come play in a Lincoln Riley offense. I don't
0: know off the top of my head, but you know, I think Mike Woods is probably the best receiver that you know came out of the transfer portal this off season, and we have very high expectations for him. But I think you kind of look at the portal and go, okay, it's either someone that's you know coming from a school like in Arkansas that maybe uh, you know didn't have the right quarterback, the right offensive line play to be super, super successful and put up huge numbers. We think he can do better than the, you know, 670 yards that he got at Arkansas, but we don't necessarily know that for sure. It could be that he's maybe not a thousand yard type of guy, um, but we just don't know. And the other option is maybe you get someone from a lower level that did really good against Toledo and Akron, and then they come up to this level and they just can't compete or, you get someone maybe that's a washed out, you know, former high four star or five star from an Alabama that couldn't crack the depth chart. That's going to come to OU. Like, is that going to be any different or is this guy just, you know, a, a total bust? So there's so many unknowns at this point. And it's, it's a little frustrating to me as a fan that it's felt like this has always been the plan. Even when we were down to just Luther burden committed of, Oh, we'll just hit the portal. And it's like, that's your last resort situation because You can't go to the high school ranks at that point. Juco's is kind of, I think it's kind of dead now. Um, I don't, I don't, ah, that's too soon to call it dead, but I think the Juco ranks are a lot less uh, at this point because really with the, you know, one year transfer rule, it's just going to be grade risks and character risks coming out of the Juco ranks at this point. That's a lot harder to recruit.
1: Yeah. And I mean, OU, they've kind of, you know, um, found gold in the Juco ranks with receivers. I mean, you know, Marquise Brown was a Juco guy. Didi was a, was a Juco guy. So there are some, you know, special, you know, cases where given the right guy in the right fit at the right school, you know, they can flourish and, you know, one day become NFL draft picks. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of as much as, you know, I want to dive into it. I mean, it's, it's definitely a gut punch. He went from having three, you know, five-star wide receivers in this class, you know, three guys that could come in next year and compete and, you know, want to play with Caleb Williams. And uh, now you're kind of starting from scratch. And from everything that we've heard, there's really not a guy that OU's kind of got their finger on right now as being someone that, okay, this is the next guy up. And this could be, you know, the new building block at that wide receiver position
0: in this recruiting class. So we're going to be very interesting to see what Lincoln Riley and Dennis Simmons uh, do going forward. What do you say about moving Billy Bowman over to receiver after this year? Nope. Keep him, keep him right where he is. I don't want our defensive talent
1: and defensive personnel to suffer because of like a, a lack of you know depth or lack of talent at one position on offense. I trust Lincoln Riley. I trust Dennis Simmons. The transfer portal recruiting, obviously in 2023, it's about as hot as it's ever been with OU recruiting right now. It could be a very special class. So um, if if Billy is what we think he's going to be at the nickelback position and the the kind of career that he's going to have, um, leaving, leave him on defense. Uh, I think that that's kind of where he can have his biggest impact, uh, for uh, during his time here in Norman. I
0: agree. Um, I could just see a scenario where like key Lawrence is a hit. Jeremiah Cradell a hit. Justin Harrington is still hanging in there. Um, and maybe you have a surplus of bodies. It sounds weird to even think or say that, but, um, mm-hmm. we know what Bowman can do on both sides of the ball. So you maybe have an Adam, Adam, let's not forget Trayvon West is back with the program yeah, as well. So there's 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 a little we're depth. safe, <laughs> we're safe. So um, well, yeah, it's a little bit shorter pot with uh, with Corbin out this week, um, but uh, we will be back again next week. We'll be another another week closer. So we're gonna get some some a little bit more heated up on the topics, uh, some mm-hmm. more uh, betting segments coming in as far as. I'm starting to get into some lines of some games and some different uh, predictions. I think we'll probably do some recaps of uh, our overall predictions from the offseason just so we can have all of those in one spot and then uh, have those uh, you know, in the history books so we can make fun of ourselves uh, later when basically none of them come true.
1: Yeah, uh, make some uh, Big 12 record predictions, kind of dive into OU season a little bit more. And we've kind of got some really cool things coming down the pipeline. We're going to have the the voice of the the two-lane football Uh, joining us next week. So we'll have that interview to kind of start game week once that finally gets here and have a lot of really cool things planned. So obviously Corbin gets feeling better once you're back at full strength. So, I mean, football season, it's here. And off season, I can finally say there's always been kind of a, a, you know, a search for, for topics, a search for content, different things to talk about Uh, having the SEC realignment and all that kind of helped us out over the last three weeks, but now we're finally into the heart of you know, the start of football season um, and it's going to be a really good podcast. A lot of really good episodes coming up for sure.
0: Absolutely. Uh, again, if you have enjoyed this podcast and the interview with Ryan, uh, definitely drop us a five-star review on Apple podcast and give us a follow on Twitter as well at the mainline pod one, and we will see everyone again next week for another episode of the mainline